0: I'm Jordan Ferguson
1: and I'm Kate McKinnon
0: and you are listening to the geek down podcast. y'all welcome back to another fantastic episode of the geek down podcast this is the show where two friends sit in front of microphones and try to find the sweet spots where their fandoms intersect my name is jordan ferguson i am in toronto ontario canada and joining me on the other line lounging when she's not typing from the satellite branch in scenic hamilton it's your girl caitlin mckinnon
1: mm-bop, bop, mm-bop, bop, bop.
0: that's new Oh,
1: I just felt like doing
0: something different. Jazzing it up. Friends, this is episode 199.
1: Why? Why?
0: Why? 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 Why is it episode 199? Why? Because we refuse to acknowledge episode 200 until such time as the world corrects itself, so we are probably going back to legacy numbering in the new year.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We... We did that, and then we, we were gave like, you, you know what? so
0: <laughs> much time Earth
1: <laughs> to get your shit together
0: we gave you so much time we gave you well over 26 weeks to get it together and you just couldn't do it you just couldn't do it you still wanted to party now here now here we this, are like
1: whole I had this whole thing planned it was gonna be great and then it all fell apart because we went into lockdown again.
0: Yeah. So if you want to go back and listen to it, it's actually a very fun journey. I, I've gone on part of it again recently to go back into those old episodes, which you can find on your SoundCloud, your Spotify, wherever else, and just just chart our progress through lockdown one, through the advent of the coronavirus to that fun moment where Jordan thought he still was actually maybe going to go to Japan. All that. It's a great trip down oh. memory lane and you won't wrap Ooh. yourself in a blanket and cry yourself to sleep at all. I promise. We don't believe you. But you can go. No. And while you're there listening to the emotional upheaval of our lives, you can click follow or subscribe. And from henceforth, you can keep up on the future emotional upheaval of our lives every week. Because new episodes are going to be delivered to your device by some by someone who is very secure in their emotional state. Because he's seen it all. It is your man.
1: Dr. Sir. Lord, Chauncey Third, III, geek Down Internet Elf, L-L-B- M.D., P.M.P.,
0: P.M.P., P.H.D., M.A., B.F.A., Fine Arts. He's writing a novel this year, y'all.
1: <laughs> <laughs> a- he also does uh, Elvish-influenced uh, finger paint. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> Suck it, Thomas uh, Kincaid. Chauncey's coming for your spot. He's going to bring those episodes directly to your device. You don't have to do anything. Oh, girl, he just lives to give them to you in your ear hole each and every week, but gently.
1: Of course. Lovingly, caressingly. He knows you need it.
0: If you would like to thank Chauncey for his dutiful service or tell us about your own emotional upheaval, you can do that, I would say, on any of our social medias. But we only have one now since we abandoned the Facebook, and that's at twitter.com slash Twitter. That's where we hang out sometimes a little bit. Listen, y'all, frankly... Winter is coming. Winter is here. I am greatly limiting my time on social media.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Facebook is just basically commercials now. (laughs) Commercials and, like, people who put inspiring quotes.
0: Uh, Oh, See, the inspiring quotes have gotten gotten to Instagram as well, which I don't hate. But, I mean, I was complaining about that, like, last end of 2019. I was like, please just stop just reposting text posts on Instagram. Like that's not what, that's not what this was for. Now it's just no. all we do. This is all we do is repost text. Anyway, if you want to support this endeavor financially, dear God, why would you? Stop it. If you're still stop. doing, if stop you're your still God. doing Christmas, you have presents to buy, gifts to buy. To celebrate the people in your life. But if I you, mean, yeah, if you, if we're people in your life, you want to celebrate, you can always buy us a coffee. Ko-fi. dot com slash geekdownpod. That's still there. Requires nothing from us. It's just chilling, ready to. Yep, it's just a little cup on the side of the road. We have you want to throw in three bucks? It
1: doesn't, it doesn't have to be coffee. It can be hot chocolate. I'm a big fan of hot chocolate.
0: Hot chocolate, cider, blueberry tea.
1: Oh, all of those. Those all are like my favorite things.
0: Caitlin's here for all of it. Friends, I don't know what to say. Well, I guess I'll lead. I'll lead with the uh, with the biggest personal note. Um, rough week for your man's. Uh, the turd cherry on this, just to get one more out in this year. My mother is currently hospitalized for unknown ailments. She had fallen not too long ago, possibly got concussed. So she, she's under observation. Um, She was not exactly lucid about a week ago. So my dad uh, had her ambulanced up to to the hospital. She has been sounding better when I have spoken to her, but it's a, Really, so I've been talking to my friends who uh, are also, you know, expats from various cities, especially now. Where, like, even if I wanted to rush back, there are two trains a day from Toronto to Windsor, formerly four at least, and no planes. So, even if I wanted to rush down, I don't really know that I could. And what would I do if I did rush down? I can't go in the hospital. I can't see her. (laughs) So...
1: And that's, I mean, in a very small way, that's what a lot of families are going through when loved ones go into hospital.
0: And I, I know of people who have dealt with worse scenarios than what I am going through right now. It does not look like, and this is not her exit, shall we say. It's just, it's just uh, you know, the scariest thing in recent memory that health-wise that I've had to deal with uh, with either of my parents. So it's been a... It's been an interesting week. I've definitely talked to my father more in the last week than I have in the last, like, you know, five years.
1: It's weird when you become your parents' support system. Yeah. (laughs) It really is. It's a, it's a strange, strange feeling and a strange thing to happen.
0: Or like, you know, I'm clearly hearing things about the dynamic of their marriage that, like, I just never really had to, like, hear about before at any time in my life. Um, And kind of the role he fit in her life as her support system and now as that role is kind of you know off the board for the moment he's uh he's trying to cope with that and I'm the next closest thing and i mean that's he said it himself regarding other things you know he didn't he didn't want to like make the choice to send her to the hospital he really didn't like it um but as he said it's like i had to put on my big boy pants and and get it done because he, he said something that we've said multiple times, which is like, you know, sometimes you you never really, really feel like an adult or what an adult's supposed to be. And I'm like, cool, dad, you're 70.
1: <laughs> that's great.
0: But he had to put on his big boy pants and make that decision. And if he, when he calls to tell me about everything that's been going on with my mom and how he's feeling, I have to be my big boy. I have to put on my big boy pants and be that for him. So... Not exactly a geeky lane of conversation, but that's our lives, y'all. We share that with you as well. So um, thoughts. We, and want,
1: we want you to know that we're going through stuff, and it's okay if you're going through stuff.
0: Thoughts and prayers and all that would be appreciated. No,
1: no, what? None of that. What? How Ugh, dare, how dare you? Fire! Don't bring that here. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you Good vibes. You don't want the that, that. Oh, that's what you'd refer to, uh? prefer to phrase it as good vibes good vibes good vibes
1: vibes i'll get the crystals
0: out (laughs) listen i only want your good vibes if you're going to get vaccinated when it clears uh you know trials if you want to bust out your crystals but you're like you know bill gates is trying to chip me you can keep your vibes keep your vibes over there i don't want those vibes i want vibes that respect science (laughs) it's it's shocking how often those are mutually exclusive. Anyway, Kate, how's your week?
1: Um, I type, as I do now.
0: <laughs> Y'all forgot about typing, didn't you?
1: I don't know that they did. Maybe they've just been waiting for a typing update this whole time.
0: Well, you did. you I did will... bring it up when oh. you started. You when you started the class, you brought up that yep. that's what you were doing, and then we hadn't heard about typing for a while, and now, and now we are so, in now we're in the type We're in type crunch time.
1: Yeah, so next week, I have to do my typing test. I need at least 98% accuracy and at least 35 words per minute. I am a terrible typist. I think a big part of it has to do with that I've had bad habits for so long. Um, And I'm actually a pretty fast typer using those bad habits. But the issue is, is I have to look down at the keyboard (laughs) a lot, all the time. Basically, constantly. Um, So the whole idea to taking typing was something I wanted to learn for a long time. And it's useful for my job and for life. I'd really like to be able to write an email and not have to look down at the keyboard. Um, So I've sort of been struggling through and I, you know, things were... It wasn't. I made improvement, but it wasn't enough. I had done some of the practice tests, and it was really bad. So I was like, okay, I'm going to put my head down. I'm going to type like crazy. And then I started developing nerve damage in my fingers. Yay. Um, it feels like there's, like, minuscule shards of glass this stuck is a, in my fingers. This
0: is a very on-brand-for-Kate thing to happen, I feel like.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's like the time I started exercising and then, like, I pulled a muscle really badly and then, like, couldn't move. Remember
0: remember Zumba, y'all?
1: Oh, man, Zumba. My body doesn't, like, it doesn't like working out. I don't mind physical labor, but it does not like working out. It doesn't like anything too strenuous at an ongoing pace. Like, basically, I'd be Little Match Girl. Like, I would die so fast in Dickensian England so fast. Um, anyways, so I have – I had to wait um, to practice to get these little – they're basically I things they are for guitarists to protect the top of their fingers um, while they're playing guitar. Um, the nail is still – you can still see the nail, and it, it can sort of peek out, so I think you're, you should be able to, like, pluck okay. I, I don't know how guitars work. Um, so <laughs> – but I bought these little like finger protectors so I could still pretty much feel the keys, but I would be protected. Um, they've worked so far, but now I have to kind of learn not to type again. That's a little, that's a little, that's exaggerating a little bit, but, um, it's, it has made it more difficult. Um, so, but now I'm, I'm, I have like basically like a week <laughs> to, I did some practice tests the other day. It was actually okay. I, I'm passed by like the skin of my teeth. So I'm trying to think like the equation is test plus Caitlin's natural anxiety plus test anxiety makes not so good results. So I'm trying to really hone my typing skills so that I can pass these these tests. Um, I will follow up sometime in the new year about whether, that has happened or not
0: there's the cliffhanger for 2020 you didn't know you needed
1: yeah i know whether caitlin passed her typing her typing class if i don't pass it it's okay i still have like the technology i'll still keep on practicing but it would really suck because i know a lot of people know i'm taking typing and they're like how did typing go and i'm gonna have to be like i failed the typing class (laughs) like that's really a blow to the (laughs) self-esteem Um, but anyways, so yeah, that's my life. It's just typing. And I've like told everyone I love and that I talk to during the week that basically don't expect to hear from me because it's just typing all night, every night, um, <laughs> until next week when I do my test.
0: Low that I had the dedication to anything that Caitlin McKinnon has developed for typing.
1: <laughs> you know, it's, it's weirdly fascinating, um, I know. I won't go on. I just please don't. It's interesting. (laughs) It's interesting what you can get your body to do with muscle memory. So they talk about when people um, have phones, and even if they're like out of power, people will check their phones like seventeen times.
0: Oh yeah, the the ghosts vibrate.
1: Yeah, the ghosts vibrate, or just the ghosts. Like, oh, I should check out Facebook, or like you automatically reach for it, even if you know that it's out of batteries. Uh, Like I just find that kind of stuff fascinating. And it's weird because there are moments when I'm typing and I go into this like, you know, I let the force guide me and I like type a full sentence without looking down. But as soon as I really think about it, I'm like, ah, fuck. And I like mangle it. Um, So yeah, I just, I I really find that, that fascinating. Um, So it's kind of been an interesting like self-experiment. And if you have time (laughs) in the new year, you should do some self-experimenting.
0: But, like, with hobbies.
1: And, like, yeah, and, like, elvish finger painting.
0: Not with cocaine.
1: Well. Don't, exper- I
0: mean, <laughs> don't experiment with cocaine.
1: Yeah, I guess I can not say that. Don't experiment with cocaine, kids.
0: Well, speaking of trying new things and experimenting, but, uh, but I got two stories this week, Kate.
1: You have two stories, and I found a story that I'm excited about. Okay. Yeah.
0: Do you want to do yours first, or? No. All right.
1: That's okay. I'll what you've
0: got are, uh, what I have are two stories of bold moves meant to try and encourage long-term growth in industries going through seismic change shall we say Aww. the first one is the announcement last week I believe late last week from Warner Brothers that their entire 2021 movie slate is going to HBO max. <laughs> Oh, everything they were going to release in a theater in 2021 will go to a theater, but it's also going to HBO Max for a month. Oh. Free of charge, no premium, no Mulan, pay 30 bucks to watch it type thing. So that means like James Gunn Suicide Squad, Matrix 4, Dune are all going to HBO
1: Max. Oh, my God. Guess who's getting HBO Max?
0: <laughs> so, well, you already got Crave, so it's probably going to end up there as well. Uh, oh, we, excellent. Because we Canadian, and that's how that works. Um, but, yeah, I, the the despair and rending of garments from uh, film people I've seen online <laughs> and on podcasts, this is like, the, the, the cinema is dead, which is, I'm, Makes it petty. I don't have a stake in it, but, like, you know, we all know I I never gave a fuck about going to a movie theater, so I'm just kind of like, meh. Um,
1: well, I mean, I'm, I went to movie theaters all the time. I don't think movie theaters are dead. I think they're on hiatus because they're vectors of infection.
0: And I don't think, I mean, whatever, like, does Cine- will there be movie theaters? Yes, of course. Is Cineplex going to survive this? Is AMC is the multiplex going to survive this? That I don't know. Is the forty theater you know behemoth anchoring a strip mall like? Does that survive? I don't know. And what does that mean for malls? Be fine. That's fine. An- that's another story. But um, this is a crazy, big move, bold move, risky move with a lot of moving parts. Because basically, like. This is going to lose money on all fronts for Warner Brothers, which is owned by AT&T, which is a telecom, which means they provide, uh, you know, internet access and the means in which they provide the pipe with which you stream stuff. So obviously they probably don't care. The corporate, uh, you know, moms and dads probably don't care if all this content is now going to a streaming site. That's going to mean you have to like open up more of their pipe. To get that sweet, sweet Wonder Woman eighty four, but what are the actual what are the actual details here? This is from the Verge. Um, every one of its twenty twenty one movies will debut on HBO Max in the U S. at the same time, play in theaters. They'll be available for one month, no extra charge, in four K HDR. Uh, as COVID cases surge around the world again, new content on streaming services are drying up, and Warner Media needs to figure out a way to keep revenue coming in. Uh, still not a great answer for anyone involved. It's a loss for Warner Brothers. It's a loss for AT&T. And it's a loss for theaters. Warner Brothers won't make any revenue per film. Theater chains need a blockbuster tentpole to bring people in. But now many of those movies are will be watched by people at home. Where is the incentive to go out? Um, one tweet I saw as this was floating all around was like, way to go, Nolan. You fucking blew it. Um, because last wow. summer... Christopher Nolan's movie tenant. He was very much out there on like, this has to be seen movie theaters. It's a disgrace. If it goes to streaming, I'll never let it happen. Blah, 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 blah. Insert prices, right. Noise. Um, <laughs> it didn't work out on there. He rolled the dice thinking people would still, that there was a way to do it safely that people would be cool with. And it didn't really happen. Um, so nobody really wants to, uh, take that chance anymore. I'm not going to go too far down the rabbit hole of, uh, you know, numbers and what this means ultimately, but it is very interesting. Um, so got Godzilla versus Kong going up against Disney Plus's black widow in early May uh, in the Heights, the next venom movie, top gun, Shang Chi and the legend of the 10 rings uncharted. And these are all going to be on streaming. Um, and it's, it's, very strange I mean I've heard I listened to a podcast from you know these movie some of these movie types that are like ripping their shirts and screaming in the rain about what this means for the movie going experience one interesting thing of note is that this takes away like what they call the back end deals like for directors and actors and things like that like you know sometimes right. movies got made because actors took a lower salary but you know got points on the back end meaning whatever profit the movie made later on in a theatrical run They got a cut of that. That evaporates if the movie just gets dropped on a streaming service. Right. Um, because everybody paid a flat rate to watch everything that's on it. They didn't pay, you know, 15 bucks to go see that movie specifically. So it's very, it's very interesting. It was probably inevitable to some degree. Um, this is just for the States. And we all know that like the States is not necessarily the most important market anymore in the film going world. Ni hao y'all. um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Things are slightly better over there from a public gathering standpoint than they are in America, but very, very interesting and great for me because I don't go to movie theaters. So just let me just park my ass and strap that like, shit. I'll it, see, see more. I'll see more movies in twenty twenty one than I have ever seen in my life. Like how many? Mo- how many yeah. more? I'll watch in the heights. Fuck it. <laughs> It's got, <laughs> it's, got Rosa Dia- it's got Rosa Diaz and it's by Lin Manuel Miranda. Fuck it, I'll watch In the Heights. Um, like so many movies, I like, probably listen. I probably wouldn't have watched, didn't even news Dune until you made me. Now I'll watch it. Fuck it.
1: What <laughs> am I gonna do about twenty twenty one? We won't have a show. We it'll we'll
0: either be the best show we. It'll be the best year of the geek down because it's just like all this content that normally will be so relevant. <laughs> We're talking about every new movie when it comes out.
1: Are you, are you saying that maybe our content that we watch is like soups old? Gee,
0: yeah, I don't know, Kate. I gave you three episodes from The Office this week. <laughs> <laughs> to the uh... only person who had not seen them already on earth. <laughs> anyway, get to that in the back half of the show, y'all. Uh, my other item of note that was interesting is, uh, you know, less, less momentous to most people. But, uh. Let's take a trip back to the wacky world of wrestling, Kate, and not about the WWE.
1: What? what, what, what?
0: So, uh, ups- oh my
1: God, is it? Is it um, the Underground?
0: No, unfortunately, I don't oh. think the Underground's ever coming back. I think the Underground's done, oh. unfortunately.
1: But what's Prince Puma gonna do?
0: I t- <laughs> Caitlin Prince Puma wrestles as Ricochet now, which is his like everyday name, and he's getting jobbed out on WWE main event, which is the C tier show every week. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm very sorry. Many of <laughs> us, many of us are. Ricochet deserves better. He
1: must reclaim, he must reclaim his true name.
0: <laughs> Coming in 2021 to HBO Max. Hunt <laughs> for Prince Puma. Um, so upstart promotion AEW, which started just over a year ago, late 2018. I think they really became a thing. They had just a regular episode of their show, but because they don't run monthly pay-per-view events like, like the WWE does. They were just having like a super deluxo version of their show and they called it a, you know, their show's called dynamite and this was dynamite colon winter is coming. Um, and there were two major events here. One was the return of, um, I don't know if you ever would have heard of a wrestler. He dates back forever. He's one of the last, He's one of the last icons of his era that maybe is still in fighting shape. Like maybe he could pull one more out. I don't know. Um, Named Sting. No, no, no love for Sting. That's fine. No,
1: Um, I will. I just don't. I don't know.
0: Stinger was like the one guy in the in the Monday Night Wars, like the WCW v WWE era, who like never bounced. He was like,
1: oh, he's got like the white face mask. Yes, part of um, Kiss.
0: I don't know if he was ever part of KISS, but he started as this he had a great arc in WCW as a character. Um he was formerly this like rad surfer dude with like a bleach blonde flat top type of thing and like a little bit of face paint. Oh, yeah. And then yeah, I got that. there was this uh there was this storyline in WCW where like this invasion, and this is somewhat maybe relevant to the story I'm talking about. Um they had this thing where, like, this you know upstart group called the NWO, the New World Order, took in, and they were just like, and this was when Hogan turned heel. Oh my god, Hogan turned into a bad guy. And for like a year, I think Sting got the shit beat out of him by the NWO or something. And then for like the better part of a year, Sting slowly grew his hair out and started wearing crow face paint and like hanging out in the rafters. <laughs> and he like wouldn't speak. He would just like show up and point a baseball bat at somebody and <laughs> and then disappear. Um, it was a great gimmick at the time. It really, really went over well. But he's been he's been working low key ever since. Anyway, Sting shows up on this show to hear the former the former WCW announcer uh, Tony Schiavone works for AEW now. They're on the network that WCW show used to be on. So I mean, when Sting walks out on that network after like you know twenty something years, and Tony Schiavone's just going, "It's Sting!" <laughs> it's <Yeah>. like <laughs> it's like yes, <laughs> fanboy goosebumps. We love it. You love to see it that's not the main story. The main story is about this title match for the AEW world title between John Moxley, formerly Dean Ambrose from the WWE and Kenny Omega, who many cite as being the best professional wrestler in the world today. He's just, right. you the best in the bid, Kenny Omega, um, six star classics in Japan versus, uh, Okada. He's currently, I think he's also got like a CML, CMLL title, which is the Lucha Libre promotion in Mexico. Um, He's never signed with WWE, has no desire to. He's been fine just doing what he's doing. Anyway, he has this match with uh, John Moxley for the title. There are some shenanigans involving this guy named Don Callis, who's also... Kenny's from Winnipeg. What, what? They're always Canadian, Kate. Best wrestlers are always Canadian. Um, And this guy, Don Callis, like, throws Kenny a microphone, Kenny bashes John with the Moxley with the microphone gets the title making it the first time that their major titles any of their major titles I believe have been held by someone who did not already work for the WWE I think they put a lot of stock to get eyeballs by putting their belts on familiar faces that's not even the main story the main story is after the shenanigans and after the pinfall Kenny grabs the belt and him and Don Callis just kind of take off running out of the building right? and the camera follows them. And you see Tony Khan, the like the Vince McMahon equivalent of AEW, like whipping his headset off. Like, you know, what the hell was that? Um, they go running off and they're heading for this car and the interviewer, you know, some interviewer stops them and it's like, it's like, what the hell was that about? And Don Callis goes, you'll find out everything next Tuesday. He's like, Tuesday. What do you mean? Tuesday? AEW airs on Wednesdays. And he's like, you'll find out on TNA impact this Tuesday on access TV, totally other promotion. Totally other show, totally other network, (laughs) where a lot of people who left WWE, or got fired on that Black Wednesday firing back in April, ended up. So, you're now telling me that the, I don't want to make it, I don't want to oversell it, but like, WWE is the son of the wrestling world, right? Like, a W is number two, but being number two puts them at like, you know, Kate, what's the third smallest planet?
1: <laughs> oh God. In our solar system? Yes. Uh, third smallest. Uh, I'm going to say Venus. Go with that. No. Venus. Neptune. Venus. Let's so, go with Neptune. Yeah. So, what? Not Neptune. Jesus.
0: Kate, I'm not getting into particulars with you. <laughs> it's just a metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> WWE is the sun. To say AEW is the second biggest wrestling promotion in North America is like is like you know they're Neptune to the sun, you know it's a gap. And to say Impact is the third biggest makes them like, you know, Pluto.
1: Oh, okay, sorry. I thought by you're thought looking I mean,
0: it. You're looking you it up, aren't you?
1: <laughs> no, I thought you meant third smallest. In which case, uh, Saturn is the second largest. So it goes the sun, Jupiter, Saturn. Nobody
0: asked for this. (laughs) (laughs) I did mean, I did mean third from the bottom, but.
1: Oh,
0: okay. But that's how big the gap is. So if I say, if this is now the number two and three promotions in the U S working together, that doesn't mean they're like their powers combined to like take down the WWE still never going to happen. But I was thinking of when I gave you that podcast on the Monday night wars and yeah. they talked about how a similar thing was supposed to happen in the territory days when Vince was first just starting and all these different promotions, you know, the AWA, the NWA, the WWE, were all going to like hold a super card,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but just egos fucking got in the way and nobody could like get it together. Like it could have been the biggest thing in wrestling to that point, but it just fell apart because egos got in the way and Vince always wanted his guys to end up on top. So there are different parts at play here. So like, AEW has a relationship with the NWA because the women's champion, a woman named Thunder Rosa, has done work in AEW. Kenny's got that title from the Lucha Libre promotion that he's worked for. Impact Wrestling apparently has a really good relationship with New Japan, which is like, you want to talk about the best wrestling in the world? That's New Japan. Right. So if whatever this leads to, like, this is the most exciting thing that's happened in wrestling in forever. And nobody saw it coming. That, like, Kenny Omega would win the title from one company and be like, yeah, we'll explain everything on another show.
1: That was, like, yeah, that was, like, what happened. I can't remember any of the wrestlers' names, but that happened. (laughs) It did happen. (laughs) It happened. It Um, did happen. It was, like, the 80s, and he was, like, he won the belt and then, like, immediately showed up with the belt at, like, a different...
0: Well, and I mean, this is very similar to wrestling used to operate under, so the NWA was this, the way it worked was everybody had a territory. Say I had, I had my own wrestling promotion. We'll call it dope shit wrestling federation. And Caitlin had the, uh, the tea time and sweater wrestling association. Wrestling federation. And we each had our own top guy and we were both members of the NWA and Ric Flair was the NWA champion. That meant Ric Flair would come to my promotion and face my top star at Dope Shit Wrestling Alliance. And then... And then
1: whoever won would come over to mine and we would have tea.
0: Yes. And, and it would always it was always going to be Ric Flair. But basically, that was the draw. And Ric Flair would make your... Part of Ric Flair's job... And this is why it was super hard back then and why Ric Flair will always be the man. is because it was his job to go around to each of these territories and while win and make sure the title... Lo- and he looks strong as champion, make the other guy look good too. Right. So that when he went off to the next town, that guy who he faced could cut a promo the next week and be in like, Nature Boy, you gave me the fight of my life. And I almost had you. You got lucky that day, Nature Boy. And I'm telling you, other person I'm going to wrestle next week, you ain't going to be as lucky. Like, man, Right. I sh- I sh- you
1: got to transition it. Yeah. You got to have a good segue. Yeah.
0: Um, and this is kind of like – if this is what all of these other promotions now, like Impact and New Japan – And the Lucha Libre associations and AEW, if they've all figured out, like, how to make it work and make it exciting, you also have the most infamous promotion. They sold more t-shirts than anybody, including anybody in the WWE, was this faction called the Bullet Club. Which was basically, if you were a foreigner and you went to Japan, (laughs) if you went to New Japan to wrestle, you ended up in the Bullet Club at some point. And one of the classic formations of the Bullet Club was Kenny Omega these gallows and anderson this tag team luke gallows and carl anderson um the young bucks this other tag team hangman page these guys are all now not in the same promotion but in a couple of these other promotions that are working together so somebody was like oh my god you could re you could reunite og bullet club Ooh. the fucking roof would come off caitlin if they <laughs> figured it out a way to Kenny, the Bucks, Gallows and Anderson, Hangman, fucking back together as Bullet Club, going from Impact to AEW to Lucha Libre to New Japan. I, if they're not shook in Stanford, Connecticut, they about to be. Like, this is so dope and exciting. And plus, never mind, fucking somebody's making uh, posters, fan-made posters of Sting and Chris Jericho. You know, to the icons of wrestling of all time, like you know, oh, Stinger versus Painkiller, and Jericho's reposting them, going, hmm, and tagging AEW. (laughs) Like
1: we know how much Jericho.
0: We do know how much you like Jericho, and listen, that would not be a great match. That would be two old guys relying on storytelling and rest holds to sell a match, but it would still be fun.
1: Yeah.
0: Anyway, this is insane. No one saw it coming. It's the most exciting thing I've seen in wrestling in a while. Since Roman Reigns had his weird heel turn, which was, which is also great. Like wrestling is just great right now. It's amazing. Finally,
1: Can we say finally? To we, that? we
0: can't say finally. There's enough. There's, listen, there's still a lot of terrible in wrestling, but there's enough good in wrestling now to like want to pay attention to at a time when they still can't do live shows. The bread and butter of this industry is like going out and getting a pop from the crowd and they're figuring out ways to keep people excited about their product when their old business model does not apply anymore. And that was my tie into the first story. So
1: man, sh- I, I can't, I don't know that I can follow that. Um, I mean, first I'm going to follow it by saying I was correct. Venus is the third, the, what? Uh, third smallest planet. If you knew Wait.
0: Caitlin McKinnon was never going to let that go. Take a drink.
1: <laughs> There's smallest planet. Uh, also, Pluto is a dwarf planet. I'm so sorry. Just we'll no always more. love you.
0: We'll never forgive Tyson for that. We love you. We'll love you, Pluto. Pluto
1: him. It's just part. It's one of the things in part of the Kuiper Belt. Like there's like a gazillion of them. Caitlin, I love Pluto. I
0: okay. Just give me your new story. I can't
1: follow it. I, I have I have a story. Basically, there is this. If you were a fan of Batman Beyond. There is a mini documentary exploring its like unlikely origins. Apparently, nobody wanted it. <laughs> um, I but,
0: I didn't. I was super I salty. Didn't. I was super salty about that show when it got announced.
1: But it was really good. They did a really good job. Um, so yeah, there's this like uh, IGN. I haven't watched it, but I saw uh, there's a story about it. Basically a mini documentary about the the classic Nobody Wanted. Um, so let's see how it's on YouTube. It is 18 minutes and 36 seconds. Um, if you're interested in cartoons, if you're interested in Batman, if you know nothing about Batman Beyond, um, this would be a good documentary. Also, if you're a fan like me, um, because I'm always fascinated about how things get made. Um, and after seeing the documentary on Netflix about, Batman, I think it was on Netflix, I can't remember, but there was basically a documentary about Batman the Animated Series. Nope, that
0: was on YouTube, I gave it,
1: I told you about it, I gave it to Uh, you. Oh, okay, that was on YouTube as well. If you want, watch that one first, then this one, um, that documentary was really fascinating, Um, and that show was very, it changed the landscape. I will fight anyone who says differently. Um, Anyways, always a good time to learn about new things.
0: One of the best gets I ever got from my message board days was when the Return of the Joker uh, Batman Beyond movie got shelved for being too violent and too dark. Yeah. Um, I got a – some dude from Atlanta I knew from a message board sent me a bootleg copy with, like, time codes at the bottom of of Return of the Joker. That's
1: amazing.
0: And then it just came out on DVD, like, two years later. <laughs> <laughs> for those 2 years I was like I'm the coolest guy in the world. <laughs> it was the last time I ever felt that. Kate updates.
1: Woo, okay. Um so it's been a weird week. Um I of course watched Star Trek Discovery. I watched The Mandalorian. Um Uh Discovery was better because she didn't cry this episode and <laughs> it was her. just a better storyline, though there were plot holes as usual, but that's kind of like the fun drinking game version of Discovery. (laughs) Um, Mandalorian, great, of course. The three tiers of fandom, I'm sure we're all happy. Um, I loved seeing the kid just like smash Stormtroopers (laughs) around. Um, I also uh, finished uh, the Star Trek Original franchise movies, right? Um, I watched number six, from two to six. All those movies are fantastic. I don't know what people are talking about. Like certain ones, like three and five, are terrible. They are not. The rule is that the even
0: the even numbers are the good ones, right?
1: Yeah, the odd numbers are That is not true. They're all really well written. They're great stories. They're funny. Like kudos to those. Writer, director, teams, they did a really good job. Um, I watched this show that appeared on Amazon. Uh, So I literally occasionally just put in the word mystery or murder mystery or murder into (laughs) search bars. You're Um, on a watch
0: list now. uh,
1: (laughs) I know, on Amazon and Netflix. Um, And this show came up called Who the Fuck Did I Marry? Or Who the Bleep Did I Marry? Um, Basically about usually women who've married men who they were like i suspected absolutely nothing and they were like going around robbing banks and stuff um so i watched one episode of that but i was like this is going to get weird real quick like the first one was about the bank robber and i was like that's that's fun but after that i was like mm, maybe not it's going to it's going to turn into like murders and stuff um i also watched the movie uncle frank which came out on amazon uh stars I can't remember his first name. Bettany. Paul? Paul oh. Bettany. Oh, look what I did. Oh, geez. <laughs> Doing better than me. Um yeah, I just I'm surprised at myself. Um Paul Bettany, um, it was quite good, though it was like too happy. Um, it's basically uh he plays the Paul Bettany character the character Uncle Frank plays a gay man in the seventies and eighties. Um, and like it was there are parts that were sad and it talked a lot about like trauma and how one feels about it oneself, but at the end it was like way too happy. I'm like someone should have spit in his face. Like being gay in the eighties, it was getting better, but it was not great. Um but otherwise it was good acting. It was a nice story. Um and that's it. That's what I did. And then I typed. That's all.
0: All right. Talking to Dad took up a lot of my viewing time this week, so didn't see as much as I might have normally. Uh, I did see Mando. And I feel like Kate is correct. But I feel like the deep lore uh, fans were probably happier with that episode than a dirty casual like me. Um This, was, ba- this really was basically are. just like, oh my god, Boba Fett! Like, that's basically like... That's
1: what that episode Oh my god. Was. It wasn't just like... It wasn't just the fact that Boba Fett appeared. It was the fact that when he got his armor on, it was like... Oh, you're all fucked now. <laughs> um, it was just, it was good. They did a really, I, they did a credit to Boba Fett. Um, I feel a lot of people thought he like, you know, got the shaft. So I think they, they did a good job there.
0: Um, good action scenes. I didn't realize till the end that Robert Rodriguez had directed it, um, which the second I saw his name on the credits, I was like, that makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. Some of the shots of, like, uh, the Ming-Na Wen character, uh, you know, dodging Stormtrooper fire and, like, kicking that boulder down to take them all out. Like, it was a dope take fun action scene. I agree with Kate that watching uh, Kakarot smash Stormtroopers around was super fun. Um, <laughs> But Kate. Yeah. I'm, b- I'm about to floor Kate with something that I heard on another podcast and she would never expect me to know about. Did Baby Yoda reach out to Ezra?
1: I mean, it's a possibility. <laughs> I mean, there are... So what I had—I don't think I mentioned it last week—but I was talking to Chris about this because what we do is basically talk about Star Trek and Star Wars. Um, We—I was talking about the Jedi who are around, and if Ahsoka is looking for what's his name, Drone. then that means most likely Ezra's around, possibly. And so Ezra's around, and Luke is around. Mm-hmm. So, besides Ahsoka, those are the two that we know about that are around. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. I'm pretty excited to see um, to see how they cap this season off.
0: We only got one more episode left, right? Is that it?
1: I, that's what someone said. I think it might be a. It'd probably be extra long like it was last year. Was it an hour and a half or two hours last year? No, it was an hour and a half. An hour and and a half, I think, yeah. So we'll see what happens. I'm excited. I know, as usual, they they won't tie everything up. I think they've probably been greenlit for like five more seasons.
0: (laughs) Uh, Or as many as Uh, Favreau wants to do, I'm sure.
1: Yeah. Um, So, yeah. So the only thing I was upset about was... Them trying to find the Bill Burr character. I'm like, I don't want that character. I don't <laughs> I care. Pop, about pop, Bill pop. Character. I was
0: like, Kate, that's the only thing. That's the only thing this entire season Caitlin's been mad about is the reappearance yeah. of Bill Burr. Um,
1: I'm like, his character was terrible. His stupid word gun thing I hated. I don't particularly like him as a comedian. Like, I just was like, why does he have a Boston accent in. I mean, in the Star Trek universe, I suppose you could have any accent you wanted, but it was. was do they have like, a bo- I, I Boston like, planet?
0: I feel like Star Wars has played fast and loose with <laughs> with accent work for a long time. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I know they have. Anyway, speaking of Favreau, I also uh, made time to last night to check out the latest installment in the Blank That Made Us series on Netflix, which is Holiday Movies That Made Us. I'm really glad they're looking for. I'm trying to find ways to get the spirit, Kate. I really am. Oh, this year. I,
1: I forgot. I watched one of those.
0: Uh, I watched the one on elf cause you know, wow! Uh, we will not, we will not period. You know what? I'm not even going to engage with that. You can just keep that one to yourself.
1: All right. I watched the one on the nightmare Before Christmas surprise.
0: God, in case you ever thought your kids, know, you ever thought this show was getting too polite and that maybe the whole conceit was like, Oh, those guys are talk like they're two different types of geek, but they're not. They're just t- totally similar. mm. There are two. There are two episodes of this show, y'all. One on Elf, one on The Nightmare Before Christmas. We each watched one, and we each are apoplectic about the one the other watched. <laughs> anyway, um, that said, it, it was a fine slice of like <laughs> low budget. They did not talk to Will Ferrell. They did not talk to Jon Favreau. They did not talk to any cast member. When you're talking to like the screenwriter and like producers, like. And like the stop motion people. It's like well that's who you could get. I don't know if it was short notice. You were trying to crank this out on short notice. Or you know just soft pass from the main players involved. But I mean it was just interesting, interesting to see one that they went to like New Line Cinemas. Which was like not known for family fare really at the time. They mostly did horror movies and shit like that. And how they were not really feeling it. And like a lot of people weren't really feeling that movie. But Favreau was the dude who was like I want to make a timeless classic. And for most of us. He did. So I watched that, and like I said, it was fine, but not like, you know, a scintillating documentary. For my scintillating documentary fix, I know y'all are waiting for it, friends. and hey, guess what? Ronald Reagan is still fucking terrible. <laughs> Part three of the Reagans on Crave Dropped. This time about his economic policies. Wow. What a piece of shit. Everything... We scrunch our nose up about, like, bootstrap theory and poverty being a moral choice and things like that. It all goes back to him. You're a bad person. You're a bad person. Maybe it goes back before that, but he was really the first one to, like, put that forward as a political philosophy. Small government because big government is just taking away your choice. You could be successful if big government wasn't trying to take all your money in taxes and give it to people who don't want to work.
1: Yeah, he's terrible.
0: Real bad. And yeah, the one, the one key point I liked was as they, he was cutting as his administration was cutting like a billion dollars from a school lunch campaign. Nancy was out there buying like thousand dollar a place setting, uh, China sets for the white house oh, and fun. didn't really, didn't really see the disconnect there. It's not like there weren't journalists trying to ask them these things. There were. <laughs> and Nancy just kind of be like, well, the white house needs China. The president of India is coming. Oh, my God. Continuing rewatches of things I enjoy, notably Community, which has just turned into a full-blown rewatch of the the Prime Seasons at this point. (sighs) That's just a fucking warm blanket that show is. It is. It really, really is. Um, And lastly, debuting a new segment this week, Kate. Oh. This week in the sickness. Oh, no. (laughs) Listen, I was just trying to feel festive I had seen on an Instagram post from a record store. I follow shut up. I just (laughs) seen a post from a record store. I follow of a seven inch that I thought was just like, poof, gone to the ether. It dropped in. It was gone. And this had happened at this record store as well. And that was a, uh, seven inch of Texas psych funk band, Kurangbin, which is Thai for airplane. Um, covering, (laughs) covering Christmas time is here from the Charlie Brown Christmas special. Um, And it's phenomenal, and I, you know, it's on Spotify, and I've enjoyed it. And they put out a seven-inch of it a while back, and poof, sold out. And then they put out a repressing with a different cover art where they're all wearing, you know, they're drawn in Schultz style, obviously, which is another thing Caitlin hates. Mm. Mm. And how how are we friends? How are we friends? And I I, sometimes I wonder. (laughs) It's really I don't know how we made it this far, to be honest. This time the cover has them all wearing masks. Um. And I'm sure, I'm sure there's like a charity aspect of this uh, every time. I don't know to who gets the money, but anyway, Dead Dog Records, um, where the homie Wade works at, <laughs> they posted a, uh, they posted that they had it, and it was like poof, it was gone immediately. And then I was like, well, let me just have a look. And I went over to Sonic Boom's page, and they were showing they had it in stock. And I went, oh, add to cart. And then I thought to myself, Leah the Brazilian really likes Karong Ben. Add to cart again. Happy holidays. We're looking for that Christmas spirit, Kate. We're trying to feel it. Sometimes we feel it by I'm buying trying. stuff. Sometimes we feel it by buying stuff for other people. Leah doesn't listen to the show, so she won't know. She won't know that I got it for <laughs> her until later. Um, and then I was on, I was on the site, and I was like two seven inches. I'm gonna go down there for two seven inches. Go all the way down. Local pickup, right? Like. Lockdown styles. I mean,
1: you got to add stuff to it.
0: I was like, and then I was really tossing it back and forth between, uh, oh God, what the hell is his name? Some Brazilian disco funk record by a guy named Junior Mendez, who the homie Ed Lampkin had posted on his Instagram once. And I was like, oh, that. And then also, you'll never understand this one, but there's like an indie band from Quebec called Men I Trust. And they're sometimes indie bands get weirdly funky. Like, I just found out Heim gets gets weirdly funky sometimes. They got a song called 3AM on their last album that just slaps. <laughs> like, wow. And Men I Trust does this really, like, kind of minimal synth-based, uh, synth and bass and echoey guitar-type funky stuff sometimes. And the album's called Oncle Jazz. Oncle with an O, like the French, <laughs> like, the, like the France. <laughs> Oncle. Oncle Jazz. Um. <laughs> and apparently they're super indie they don't even have like a pr firm or anything like that um and they when they press it up it's like 500 a batch and then they go out and it was on sonic boom as well and i was like and i was having the talk with mr malash cuz men i trust is real like i'm getting into my wintry phase like i need that winter music you know that hunker down music i know you probably don't view music this way but my 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 music is seasonal right like
1: oh of course i do
0: like you want to know when Jordan listens to Coldplay? And yo, that anniversary pressing of, of Parachutes was sold out or I would have just got that. Wow. Listen. Your man like early early Coldplay. I'll say it. Fuck it. Early Coldplay. First two albums. That's it. Um oh, dear. Listen. <laughs> you want to know when your man listens to Travis? <laughs> During winter. And Man, I Trust has a real, like, and then I was like, what do people even think of this album? Does anybody even know what this album is? Um, and I found some article on Billboard where they were talking about, like, you know, inspirations for the album. And Winter was part of it. They went out to some, like, North Quebec, like, cabin and, like, wrote the album. I was like, yes. I was like, well, I can't have both. And I really like the sunny <laughs> shit, too. But it's, like, it's, like, not seasonally appropriate. And then I remembered the homie Scott Hallett bought me a gift card for my birthday that I hadn't used. <laughs> but <Ba-da-ba-ba-da. laughs> up.
1: I have these moments where I'm like, God, like, what is wrong with him? And then I'm like, oh, right. He's sick.
0: (laughs) (sighs) I really am. I keep telling, Mr. Malash knows that the Geek Down Holiday Sickness Spectacular is coming. And he tells me that he's really interested in investigating the whys. Like, the why do we do this thing? And I'm like, "Mm -mm." (laughs) mm-mm. I don't need to know the why. I don't need to know why I'm almost out of space. I just need to know, you know, like we're just talking about the how, <laughs> like I said, it's the geek down, not the geek why, but he's adamant that we're going to get into the why we are this way. I concur with Caitlin. I'm just sick. Um, and the, the sickness applies to fucking books too. Cause I went back to work after a few days and remember how I was like, Hey, there's this weird, there are these weird pictures in the Junji Eater art, art book of some girl strung up on a cross. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that book came in. <laughs> Viz, calm down. <laughs> calm down wow. with the Junji Ito translations. That one I bought, Venus in in the Blind Spot, that came out like in the summer. And now this Ramina or whatever book about some planet that comes and makes the world go crazy and tie people up on crosses. Um that just dropped in December. He's got another thing of like love stories coming out in love stories. Junji Ito love I'm sorry? stories. i Yeah. I
1: almost <laughs> choked on air. Like...
0: <laughs> Junji Ito love stories, which is a must buy for me. That's coming out in like February or something like, you know, calm down Viz. I understand. He's
1: please the... tell me it's, please tell me it's coming out for before Valentine's. I'll
0: have to double check the date, but it's definitely, it's definitely before Valentine's. Um, like I understand he's the cash cow Viz and you know, Times is hard all over, but damn, damn, son, give me a break. I'm apparently, apparently I love buying Junji Ito books now. Fuck. And that's what I got into.
1: Wow. Uh, You got into all that and I typed. (laughs) It seems like a balanced (laughs) balanced episode.
0: Well, Kate, you can't go back to typing yet because we got to take a break right here. And when we come back,
1: we're
0: going to talk about (laughs) what I thought were going to be festive things, but weren't. But we'll get into that.
1: I panicked, okay?
0: (laughs) When we come back from this break.
1: Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the show. This is the half of the show where we talk about the things we brought each other. Yeah. Before we do that. We have some rules. Mm-hmm. The first rule is the rule of three, which is that if the thing comes in parts, we will watch three of them. Three of them. Which kind of happened, though I forced Jordan to do more and then he got mad at me. And then somebody will be, um, like,
0: somebody will be like, you know, you know what? Fuck the rule of three. Watch the whole first season.
1: I backtracked. <laughs> anyway, uh, the second rule is hashtag save it for the pod. Oh, my God. That is the rule that. What?
0: I'm just, I'm punching. I'm punching in. Just do your bit.
1: Oh. <laughs> the second rule is hashtag save it for the pod, which is a rule that we will not talk about the things we brought each other until we are sitting in front of these microphones. Just
0: don't talk because about we it.
1: Because yeah, because we want you, the lovely listeners, to have the hottest of takes on the oldest of stuff.
0: The weather is getting cold, y'all. You want to bundle up with some hot, tasty cakes. Cakes? Takes. Yeah. Got kind of lost in my own metaphor. They say they, they <laughs> say it happens in the autumn years. Kate, what's rule number three?
1: <laughs> it's uh, not really a rule, it's more of a policy, is that there will be spoilers. You can't really spoil How can these you? things. How can you? You they're, can't. They're old and one's a cartoon and yeah. But if you're like, No, no spoilers, uh, please leave.
0: So traditionally we like to alternate, which means my thing would go first. You probably looked at the title of this episode and you were like, huh? And I don't blame you. My thinking with this one was when we first did a Christmas episode, Christmas-ish A-E episode, it was basically like, yeah. here's that thing that I cannot believe you have not seen. And you have expressed no interest in seeing, but it's Christmas, so you're going to watch it for me. And I believe that year right. it was Breaking Bad and The Force Awakens. just, just head, right. The heaviest hitters. And then over the years, it kind of morphed into just a general appreciation of, you know, shitty Hallmark Christmas movies, which I mean, yes, obviously. Yeah. Um, but I was kind of veered back into that mindset when I made my selection of like, here's the thing that I can't believe you haven't seen. And that is, <laughs> dear God, I can't even believe I'm saying it. The Office. It's like The Simpsons. I feel like you just, if you walk outside, an episode of The Office is playing in front of you somewhere. Um <laughs> And that is the uh, American mockumentary sitcom television series that depicts everyday work lives at of, of office employees in the Scranton, Pennsylvania branch of the fictional Dunder Mifflin paper company. It aired on NBC from uh, 2005 to 2013 for nine seasons and was an adaptation of the Ricky Gervais um, BBC miniseries of the same name, which I have not seen all of. I've only seen pieces of. I think this is one of the rare instances where the adaptation far surpassed the original property. Um, because it stopped trying to be just a straight remake of that and became its own thing. Now, Caitlin does not like awkward, cringe humor. Mm-mm. And that is a lot of what The Office is and can be. So when it came time to give Caitlin things from The Office, I made a selection of... Of Christmas episodes from The Office Because the Christmas episodes are generally pretty good And I was certainly not going to give her like the first three Episodes of The Office because that is peak Michael Scott The Steve Carell character The American David Brent Um being his most David Brent and just like Just more mean Than stupid And narcissistic which is what he ultimately kind of Became right As the show went on so I uh, consulted, I believe it was on Vulture, a list of what a ranking of what they thought were the best uh, <laughs> the best Christmas episodes, um, or they just kind of ranked all of them. I think from the from the nine seasons, and I gave Caitlin the the one, two, and three. They may have ranked them. I gave them to Caitlin chronologically. They may have ranked uh, them on Vulture a little differently, but I gave her Christmas Party from season two, a Benihana Christmas from season three, and Moroccan Christmas from season five. Which actually, when I went back and rewatched them, despite taking place on different seasons, even for just being snapshots, and maybe this is just because I have seen it all and I knew those characters going in, but I do feel you kind of got a sense of everybody, and you even got like kind of like a mini arc for some mm-hmm. of them, despite being these like slices of the show, which I think is actually kind of a testament to how well the show was written that you could just kind of drop in like that and know enough to know what was going on. Uh, basically, that's what I gave Caitlin. We can get into details as we discuss it, but Caitlin McKinnon, yeah, like for real, like zero, zero exposure to the office, like at all, like deliberately avoided yeah, it. I've, or
1: I have never seen a full episode of the office. That just seems impossible seen to me. <laughs> um. I've seen lots of clips. I've seen episodes of the British version, but it was the same awkwardness I couldn't handle. So mm. that didn't end up happening. Um, but yes, I have never seen a full episode of the American office.
0: Well, now you um, have.
1: Now I have, I've have seen three of them. How do you feel about it? Um, Pretty good. Like <laughs> the character work is fantastic. Um, They have like a really astounding cast. Um. It, the, the Michael Scott character is very, very hard to handle, like, like very hard. Like that first Christmas episode where he like, uh,
0: that's, um, that's, I have written, I have a couple things written in my notes just so I could like remember what they were. And so that's, that's since the first one was from season two and that's where they basically, it's a secret Santa that turns into what some people call, which I, and I know families who have played this and it goes about as well as it did in the episode, where you can like swap Secret Santa gifts if you see something else you like, yeah. type well, of thing. But
1: you steal them. You yes. don't swap them. Sorry. You steal yes. them. And like it's it was heartbreaking and sad. And I don't. That's uh, that's peak Michael the, Scott.
0: That's the peak Michael Scott experience of him just being yeah, vain awful. and narcissistic and awful. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And um and then so that. That was hard. That was always hard, all of that. But everybody else made it so worth it. Um, and, like, I really liked uh, the character of Phyllis, yes. also played by, <laughs> played by Phyllis Vance. Um, if, I I had to, if
0: I had to knock me over with a feather cane.
1: <laughs> but my favorite character oh, was Toby.
0: Are you saying that just after the first episode or after watching all three?
1: No, after the first one, like immediately Toby was my favorite. What does he do in that episode? Oh,
0: he's just trying to keep him from being awful. Yeah.
1: Yeah. He just, he tries so hard to just be like, like in the second one when, um, oh God, I gotta, hold on. I have a list of characters, so I don't, uh, when, uh, Dwight, um, comes in and has like the dead goose. right? And Toby's like, Dwight we talked about this for several hours. Like he just, he's trying so hard when they steal the robe from him and then like, and then Pam at the end, like gives her his, his robe and he's like so happy. Like just, he, I don't know what it was about his character, like that actor's portrayal of that character, but he was, he was great. Um, I really liked uh, Stanley. I liked all these side characters. Like, I I mean, I know Jim and Pam are very famous. uh, Jim playing tricks on Dwight. Like, I've seen a lot of that on YouTube. Um, uh, Angela, who, like, (laughs) is just, like, christmas I hate to say Christmas Nazi, but basically, there's like one way to celebrate Christmas. And that's ba- <laughs>
0: like, that's basically the arc you get of the three episodes, just kind of picked like that. Is like the saga of the party yeah. planning committee. <laughs> is, is that's the yeah. That's the arc I kind of found emerged from those those three episodes.
1: And that like third episode where Phyllis is like basically blackmailing Angela, and like um, every time that. Um, Michael says that in the third one that Phyllis's Christmas party is like the best Christmas party he's ever been to, and she's just like so delighted, <laughs> like that kind of thing. I loved. Um, I know that. Uh, is his name really Creed?
0: Everybody's, most people's, a lot of people's names are the same. Yeah, but Cree, Creed. Actually, Creed their name—it's really weird. Yeah.
1: Okay, but. Creed Bratton, it's both his first and his last name of the character and the actor, which is wild. <laughs> but anyways, um, Creed, like, I know he's a psycho. Like, I know bits some pieces of that. Um, <clears throat> but just, yeah, seeing the, the, the cast work um, was really delightful. And I found that even more entertaining than the main characters. But the Michael Scott character, like, I couldn't handle, like, oh, just so awkward. When he like picks up those girls at that restaurant and like, oh
0: oh my God, when he fucking marks her arm
1: <laughs> yeah because
0: <laughs> they're, the, they're the Japanese waitresses from the res he's sad yeah. because sorry the peak michael Scott, ex- uh, the peak Michael Scott experience in the season two episode is he clearly wants the young temp to think he's cool and he has this weird like yeah. affection for Ryan the temp, and even though it's a 20 dollar limit, he buys like again, I love old shows for their like take on technology a video iPod. <laughs>
1: Oh my which, God. Was like $500, which was
0: like $500 at the time um, because yeah. he got this bonus for firing somebody uh, and cutting costs. And as, you know, he takes it as like, you know, money spent equals love. And really that's, that's the character in a nutshell. He just wants to be loved. That's his entire arc. Is he just, and he looks mm-hmm. for it from his employees, which is what leads him to constantly be awful. Um, and, the big Michael Scott experience then is then his present arrives and Phyllis has knitted him an oven mitt. And yeah, he immediately is like, Nope, Yankee swap. You can swap things. I want this instead. <laughs> and it turns into a very awkward, awful <laughs> Christmas party because uh-huh. of who he is. The third season episode, he's like started dating his real estate agent and has done very creepy things. Cause he wants to like rush into like, you know, being married and go to Jamaica with her. And he photoshopped his head onto a family portrait of them. Like, yeah. So to like, You know, help him get over it. They go go to Benihana for lunch and he ends up, they end up, him and Andy, the Ed Helms character, who I cannot stand. I'm fine with, I'm fine with Michael Scott. I hated Andy.
1: Right. Well, Andy is, you're, you're meant to detest him.
0: Just, but like I, well done because there's like, you know, detesting Michael Scott and there's detest, like it's legitimately, I don't even love to hate him. I just hate him, hate him. Um they pick up these Japanese waitresses, and when they bring them back, it becomes apparent that Michael has lost track of the one he was supposed to be linking up with, and ends up marking her with a magic marker. Right. That's so fucking terrible. Um, and then he kind of plays a back seat in the third episode, or his his he's not as awful. He, <laughs> Meredith no, Meredith be, has like... set his, set her hair on fire, and he demands to hold an intervention for her alcoholism, but.
1: And Toby the whole time is like, We we can't do that. <laughs> like he just in the way he says things, he's trying to be so diplomatic. And and oh Michael's just like, Toby, shut up <laughs> And Toby's like, Oh <laughs> I uh, identify with that. Um, yeah, but yeah, I really liked the uh the the cast of characters. I'm sure I'm understand that's why people love watching the show, is that you get to know these people, they become your friends, right?
0: Another one of the reasons why I wanted to give this to you now is I don't know if you noticed when you started playing them, a nice little window popped up that said last day to watch this December 31st, the office is leaving Netflix. It's one of the like, you know, bedrock that and friends were like one of the bedrock shows. And I was amazed even giving you these three, how just like I did the rewatch and it just rolled into the next one. And suddenly I was watching another episode of the office. Like it was just to this day, it just rolls down. It goes down so easily like that. Um, provided you can stand the times when he's being his most awful. There's an episode that like, I, it almost seemed regressive that happens later where like, I think this was when, I think it was a Corral's last season and it's such a throwback to him being at his worst that it's jarring. Like right. Phyllis is Santa Claus and he's just so petulant and petty about it. Um, cause he wants to, he wants to be Santa. He wants to wear the Santa outfit at the office. Um, right. And it's just so like, it's, it's a rough, it can be a rough hang and I totally don't begrudge anybody. It's why I never finished extras really. Cause I remember watching well, th- that brand of Ricky Gervais cringe humor and just being like, you're just, nobody would act like this.
1: It's like, um, it's sorry. It's just like in the Christmas episode, where um, Daryl wants to be Santa. Right. And basically. Michael Scott is he, without saying it says you can't because you're black. And you're just like, oh, but <laughs> like, just gross.
0: Oh, my God. I just remembered a bit from the one episode where he gets dumped and he's just listening to the iTunes preview of that James Blunt song. Yeah. <laughs> tweet's just like, why don't you just buy the whole song? He's like, I don't need to. Yeah. I just want to hit. I just want to taste. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: So your first your first long term exposure to the office kick punches. What does it get?
1: Like a Seven seven or eight like I really can't the awkwardness is really hard to deal with I see it's hard because the cast is so great um and I'm sure if I watched it like I'd really like a lot of the episodes but the moments I think if it was a show but there was like less Michael Scott I would appreciate it um I just he's it's just so awkward like every muscle my body tenses as soon as he starts talking. Um, or when you see that he's got like a plan or like an idea or you're just like, oh, oh no. <laughs> the dread.
0: Uh just to better contextualize for it, it for you now, uh the infamous No, please God, no, GIF, clip, whatever. I even use it on the yeah. show, I'm sure you've seen it. Michael Scott screaming. No, God please that no! Is when uh no! Toby has moved to another branch for a couple years. And comes back, yep. and he realizes that like, Toby oh. has returned. He's screaming at Toby. He
1: hates Toby so much. Maybe that's so why I much. love Toby so much. It's just
0: uh... Toby's just ruining his fun. Well, for uh, another two weeks, if you've never seen The Office, you <laughs> cram down a binge on uh, on Netflix before the 31st. I don't know. It's yeah. ultimately going to Peacock in the States uh, if you're in Canada. I don't know. Maybe. No, it's because it said in Canadian Netflix it was leaving. I don't know where it's going in Canada, but, I mean, it's never far If you have any terrestrial television channel, pick one. The office will probably turn up there eventually. Moving on. She's been talking about it for weeks.
1: Yep. And that is the Infinity Train or just Infinity Train. Um, Infinity Train is an American animated science fantasy drama anthology television series. Good Lord. Ooh, I love those. Uh, Created by Owen Dennis. Um, previously, a writer and storyboard artist on the regular show. Um, okay, so I've talked about the show in the past, and I need to explain why I gave Jordan the show. I gave it to him because I panicked, and it was the only thing I could think of that he hadn't seen, and he needed something to watch, and I was like, oh, well, I really like this thing, and who knows how he'll like it? It'll be an adventure. Um, the first season, which is what I asked Jordan to watch, and then backed, and was like, well, at least watch more episodes than usual, because the episodes are like 15 minutes. 1-5, I, I, I was so
0: excited when I saw a runtime on this. I was like, 10 <laughs> minutes? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bash this down so quick?
1: Um, the first season focuses on Tulip Olsen, a girl struggling with her parents' recent divorce. She is accompanied by a small, confused robot named One-One and Atticus, the king of a kingdom of talking corgis, entitled Corginia. As the trio navigate the train, Tulip learns to adapt to change and eventually returns home, a changed girl. Um, Basically, it's an infinity train. The train goes on forever. It has an infinite number of train cars, and each train car is a world. And the idea is that each world the person on the train learns something new about themselves and they have these numbers on their wrist and the numbers go down. (sighs) What else can I say about the show? It's weird and lovely and dark at times that, which I really appreciate, especially for a kid's show. Um, it's so dark in fact that after the third season, HBO was like, I don't know if you guys can make this anymore. Um, so I'm really excited to watch the third season. Um, Yeah, so, Jordan, what did you think about it?
0: Joke's on you, sucker. I did watch the whole first season.
1: (gasps) Yeah! Okay, does that mean you liked it or that you did it because I was like, watch the first season,
0: Mostly that. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And I was folding laundry, and it took longer to fold laundry uh, than it would have taken to watch more than, you know. It took more time to fold laundry than to watch three episodes, so it just kept going. Ultimately, Caitlin, you fucked up. I did. You fucked up
1: because
0: Why? you gave me gravity falls first.
1: Ooh. And well,
0: that I really mean... colored my not enjoyment. Cause there was enough that I enjoyed about this show, but I found myself yeah. picking nits with this show more than I probably would have if I hadn't seen gravity falls and just been like, man, gravity falls is so much better than this show.
1: But this me. show does have Ernie Hudson playing a talking corgi game. Listen. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and my, my nitpicks about this show are like, there are certain things that I am just over in animation these days. That is the, and it's a derogatory term that I don't necessarily agree with, but like, it's the standard that Adventure Time set, right? It's the Cal Arts, what they call the Cal Arts. Style of animation, right? Where nothing's really like detailed, and everybody like. Remember when that Thundercat show got announced, and everybody yeah. got super mad because everybody's mouth, everybody, you know, Lionel looked like Steven Universe, like. <laughs> because the argument is that most American animators go to Cal Arts to learn animation, and that's how they come out. Ah, um, right. Okay. They come out make drawing like that. There's a bit of Cal Arts to this show. The Dark Wave theme song, like. That. Like He's just done. an oscillating synth, dark synth loop. Like um, I'm a little over that. I feel like everything has that these days. Um, but every once in a while, there would be this spark of like, okay, that's really funny. Like when one car is just filled with ducks.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and
0: they're just squishing their way through a car of ducks. Nothing. I know Caitlin wanted. I did not know going in that the first season was complete and done. And then the second season will be about uh mere tulip. There's an episode where tulip ends up freeing her own reflection from some yeah. Chrome world type of thing. And that's going to be about her And the third season about someone else entirely. Caitlin, if you're telling me that Ernie Hudson does not play a major role, if you're telling me that Atticus does not play a major role in the subsequent seasons, I don't know that I'm interested in watching, them, <laughs> frankly.
1: Uh, no, no, he doesn't. Um, but I really enjoyed the second season. Um, really enjoyed this i
0: can see them. the just the whenever that would come in stupidly like when they first get to corgania and it's like may i offer you a sunbeam to lie in <laughs> there's just all, the, <laughs> it's all, these little, all these little statues that general that you know collect sunbeams for people to lie in or when they have to like go through a door and it's like attica are so you're coming well i don't know i don't i don't and he's like doing the, <laughs> <laughs> he's doing the foot stamp thing it's like, yeah. Tulip's like, oh my God, do you, you go outside? You want to go outside? Oh, I don't know if I have, ah, but I want to, but I don't, I don't know, ah, if I could, ah, well, oh, oh yes, I want to go outside. <laughs> um, to hear Ernie Hudson voice all that. Yeah. So, so delightfully stupid. And I was like, legitimately, like, ready. When he gets turned into like a cockroach at the, in the penultimate episode, I was like, throwing my iPad across the room. I was like, no, yeah. King Corgi. Um, also bearing in mind, I've been rewatching Cowboy Bebop. So Corky's are just kind of like on my mind a lot lately. Um, that was great. Um, it, it is, you know, pretty stark in its, you know, mid season depictions of divorce and what that does to HSO of Tulip was probably like eight or nine, I think in the chronology of the show, when her parents split. Um,
1: I, I one of my favorite episodes was the episode of her re- looking at her memories. The
0: videotape episode, yeah.
1: And yeah, that videotape with Kate Mulgrew. I was gonna say you're you're um, you're also
0: underselling that Kate Mulgrew plays a villainous cat in the in the uh, in the show.
1: I'm pretty sure I brought it up when I started talking about the show, but anyway, because uh, I was like, "Holy shit, that's Kate Mulgrew," uh, which I didn't not realize until I started watching it, and then I was like, "Kate Mulgrew's a cat." Kate Mulgrew could be anything, and I'd be like, "Oh my god, it's Kate Mulgrew." Um, But uh, that's my favorite episode because they talk about how we perceive our own memories. And Tulip has this memory of going to that, like, sea world. And initially, the memory is like, oh my God, those dolphins have made the perfect shape a triangle. And that is not, in fact, what No, the memory
0: in is like, she can't see. And the mom is like griping to the dad about, I told you she needs glasses, type of thing. And, like,. You know, the parents are snipping at each other, that type of thing. Um, Yeah. And how ultimately Tulip's journey on the train is to learn to accept that, you know, her life has changed. And it doesn't have to be bad. There's still a way to find happiness for herself. Despite this, you know, seismic upheaval to her life. Um, And by the end of the season, she's like, you know. Saying bye to her mom, hopping in the car with dad, and going to, you know, game coding camp. I found, I found that, uh, the the sad part is, I, there are parts of Tulip I like, but ultimately I didn't find her super compelling as a character. I appreciate what they were trying to do with her as a character. Here come the police to arrest me for that take.
1: <laughs> yeah. Because she's... Oh, no, nope, it's still coming. still coming. Better watch what you say. Oh, no, it's
0: the fire department, because this take's too hot.
1: <laughs> uh,
0: I'll laugh my own joke. <laughs> I appreciate what they were trying to do. She's a nerd, but not in the, like, you know, I just like nerdy stuff. Like, she, like, makes logic trees. Her biggest frustration with the whole Infinity Train is, like, she's trying to make, like, logic trees in her notebook. <laughs> Sorry, her love note to her notebook in the one episode where they're, like... You know, you can't logic this out. You have to you know, just put the notebook away for a minute. She's like, "I'll never leave you a notebook." I was like, "It's Caitlyn McKinnon." Um, <laughs> she has, you know, she's a coder. She was going to video game design camp. She was making a little video game. Like, she's trying to branch out the logic of this thing, but the logic doesn't apply, and that's her like her frustration through multiple episodes is trying to find, um, you know, reason for these things. When she goes to like, you know, the rock car, and she has to like get these stairs to go up to the door to leave the car. She's like trying to like, it's like you have to, you end up having to sing as they piece together from the, uh, you know, whimsical mustachioed rock golem who hangs with them and only goes, hm. <laughs> which I enjoyed. I enjoyed every time he talked, it was just, hm. <laughs> ultimately she's singing all these romantic songs that are meant to stir emotions and it's not doing anything. The song that succeeds is uh cameo's word up because it's a song they used to sing on road trips. <laughs> And that song meant a lot to her. So when she starts singing, yeah. you know, word up by cameo, which I mean, best use of word up by cameo in ever anything. Ever.
1: I was so shocked. Like I did not expect that. And I was so delighted and I then mean, for like weeks after Chris and I would sing it.
0: Sh- shouts to them for licensing it um, for signing off yeah. on the the licensing, accepting that like, you know, She can't just logic her way out of it. Um, I understand they have to establish her as kind of like a boring, not fun character for her to make that transformation halfway through the, the, the show. Ultimately, I, and maybe this, but does it because, well, explain this to me. Like in like the second season, how do I want to say this? I feel like the show was kind of betrayed by its own format. I don't know why they went with the Steven Universe model where it's like. 10 minute episodes, 10, 10 minute episodes or whatever it was. It felt like you left a lot on the board that you could have fleshed out a little more. Like I am not an adventure time completist by any means. I've seen maybe an hour of adventure time total. And that's just like clips. And I feel like by the time you realize what happened with the ice king and his origin, that was like a huge like thing and right. huge tragedy of the, of that character. So when you find out what happened to Amelia, this woman who was on the train and overthrew the conductor to take control mm-hmm. of it because she wants to recreate her life before the death of her husband, it hit different, not in a good way. It didn't hit as hard as it would have been if we had maybe been able to spend had, more like, time seasons with it. With
1: the character. Yeah. Yeah, it was a different it's a different story.
0: So, and I don't know, maybe they were just like, it's a kid show. We don't need to, you know, we're not making this for 43-year-old Jordan who wants to, you know, delve into the plums of despair of this character. This is just a villain to yeah. be overthrown. And here's two details about her to explain her motivations, and on we go. um, So, I mean, if Amelia's not around, I don't know who the, like, I get the sense that second season is Mirror Tulip, like, running from the Mirror Cops and, like...
1: Yeah, so second episode is Mirror Tulip running from the Mirror Cops, but also... Um, helping um, a other passenger, another passenger, and, and building a friendship with him uh, as they go through the train, um, and her her struggle to to be her own self. Mm. It's a hard hang for like the first maybe two episodes, and then after that, it just gets so good <laughs> um, because you're expecting she's she has a lot of like anger. At being a mirror of someone else. Um, But yeah, it it gets really, really good. Chris had a problem with the the other character, but um, once you, you know, like I said, after those first two episodes, he was like, oh, he was, it was a great story arc. Um, And each season is about, is their story, right? Is one complete story of Passengers in the Train. Um, which I really like. Now they're connected and you will see characters again. Um, but yeah. So I know. What I, really I like saw
0: that. a chart on Wikipedia. Um, <laughs> yeah. And season three seems to be much more standalone than the other two um, about a character. I have no idea who it is, but they're like deliberately are trying to make their number go up. Um,
1: yeah, they actually appear in the second season.
0: The idea being that, like, you know, this number, this glowing number on your hand is, like, basically tied to your self-actualization, I guess. And as you, like, you know, come to better understand yourself and and change yourself, um, the number goes down and you get your – what looks to be a very horrific thing in the first episode where you see this, like, Stranger Things spiral come down from a red sky and a body disintegrates into the <laughs> – into the ether and you're like oh my lord um that's the exit that's somebody leaving Mm -hmm. somebody's hand is uh, somebody's number has gone down to zero and they get to leave the train changed and better so when tulip gets her exit and ultimately ignores it to um save uh atticus rightly so of course it's like you fucking you you get off your ass and you find that fucking dog (laughs) um (laughs) Ultimately, I was like, I do think it pales to Gravity Falls, but that's just me. I'm trying to, like, still accept it on its own merits. Um, I do think yeah. it's betrayed by its format, but I'm also not 11. So, maybe if I was 11, I would be like, this is the best thing ever. And it's told, this is the perfect format for it. Um, but trying to approach it with, like, okay, Kate thinks this is fucking great. I don't think it's fucking great. I think it's good. If I'd never seen Gravity Falls, would I think it was fucking great? Maybe. But... Like, spoiler alert for the recap, like, it's going to be my number one of the year. Sorry, spoiler. Like, (laughs) um, that show casts a very long shadow for me in the world of uh, all ages, but appeals to adults, animated fare. This is still an eight to me. Primarily, thank you, Ernie Hudson. (laughs) It's an eight for Ernie Hudson. Ernie Hudson earned that eight. Um, And had enough... Fun, dumb things, funny. Office callback. There was a moment where she's on like graph Planet, <laughs> yeah, and she needs to like get down to something, and she goes, "I declare bankruptcy," <laughs> and the arrow, up. the arrow just shoots down, and she slides on it towards the door. Classic office joke. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it's it's an it was an interesting hang. Like to to an exta- to a certain extent, even now, I don't quite know what to make of it because of all the different things it was doing and trying to do. I certainly understand having not even having not seen seasons two and three why the combination of like you know fiscally mandated layoffs coupled with somebody at uh, Warner media finally watching the thing and going like oh this is for kids yeah um, maybe might not incline them to be like I don't know if this is right for the cartoon Network um, I
1: just I'm I like when children show like that man the animated series series had some really Freaking dark episodes. I think it's good for kids like to was, have dark
0: episodes. I always go back to the thing Neil Gaiman said where it's like the only people who come up to him ever like spooked about stuff in his like stories are adults. <laughs> like kids re-Coraline and they're like, this is awesome. Whereas I re-Coraline and I was like, please get out of the uh, spider house <laughs> immediately. <laughs> I do not like this. I do yeah. not want to be here. Um, but kids are just like, dope. So I'm sure kids watched all three seasons of this and went, Dope adult Jordan is going to remember the uh, screams of Cockroach Atticus for the rest of his life (laughs) (laughs) Uh, it's real (laughs) off-putting y'all so shouts to them for that that Um, but
1: But you know what I'm really pleased that you gave it an 8 I I didn't know what to expect I never know what to expect sometimes I'm like he's going to think this is awesome and you're like this is trash I hate you and then sometimes I'm like ooh I don't know and you're like this is a 9 and I'm like what? So I'm just, I am pleased you gave it an eight. I understand about being like, there is a lot going on here and I have a tendency not to compare things. I try and take them on their own. So, but yeah, if you're comparing it to Gravity Falls, we know what the superior show is. Um,
0: And and I do, I do think as much shit as I gave you about like, you know, watch the whole season. You're
1: totally betraying the
0: rule of three. Like it would have been a six if I had only watched the first three. Yeah. When you watch the whole season. It's 10 episodes, like I said, 10 episodes of 10 minutes of pop. It's 90 minutes. You have watched the entire thing. Um, Mm -hmm. When you see everything it's trying to do and everything it's trying to address and the way in which it addresses it, these ideas about, you know, being young. And I don't know when, oh no, it was when her, like, you really liked, uh, like, the videotape memories episode. I actually kind of really liked where her own reflection calls around her own shit. Like, (laughs) Where this version of Tulip that she, that Tulip sees herself as, you know, her reflection has seen the actual, who she actually is. It's right. like, oh, really? You know, you're this person? What about the person? What about when you dodge, when you ignore texts from your best friend or when you pretend you can't hear your mom calling you for something or like, you know. Right. All the way, all the ways we lie to ourselves, basically. That's heady shit for a show for 11 year olds. Um And I respect anything, any show that tries to, any all ages shows that tries to tackle that, uh, will get my respect. Even if I didn't think it was good at gravity falls, (laughs) but not everything is going to be gravity falls. No. So that is, uh, I don't know where Caitlin had to buy it. I sailed the seas. Yeah. If you have anything that gives you something, maybe, or prime something. If you have anything that gives you cartoon network access or to the cartoon network library, um, or maybe even the adult swim library, you can probably track it down somewhere there. Definitely worth a check out. If nothing else, watch that first season. Just enjoy the wonder of Ernie Hudson as a corgi.
1: It is amazing. <laughs> what well, really, really wonder.
0: one of my favorite, really one of my top shelf, uh, media experiences <laughs> this year. Is <laughs> Ernie Ernie Hudson debating whether or not he wanted to go outside <laughs> or get his belly or get his belly rubbed.
1: Yeah. Important decision.
0: <laughs> Very friends. I got to work tonight. We hate that. We're going to work, Not for, fun. work for chumps. I got to work. Kate's got to type. So we're going to bust out of here. Thank you so much for joining us, friends, as you do every week. Holler at us on Twitter if you're so inclined. We'll be it. there. We will reply. And we will be back next week with, oh, God, is it, what was the name of that movie? It's Andy, it's Andy McDowell week, isn't it? Next week?
1: It is. Yes. It is the
0: Dashing in December.
1: Dashing in December.
0: We're gonna get on that. We're gonna find out where the hell we can watch it. It's dropping this this Sunday, I believe, is when yes. it's dropping. So we're gonna try to uh, we're try to find time to get squeeze that in and get you one more uh, blast of holiday cheer before the for the year rolls out for episode 199Z, y'all.
1: We're so excited! Can,
0: can you believe we made it this far, friends? We will see you then. My name is Jordan Ferguson.
1: My name is Caitlin McKinnon, the theme song is by Rob Gasser, and I hope that you will join us next week for another fabulous, festive episode of the Geek Down Podcast.
0: Who directed Dark Knight? (laughs) What the fuck's his name?
1: Nolan. Uh, Oh. I got it.
0: One tweet I saw. Oh my Logan. god!
1: Did you just pull a Caitlyn?
0: I pulled a Caitlyn, and oh. I pulled I pulled a, my parents. Um,
1: oh, oh my god! That was I am. Whoa! Okay. I had David. Twenty twenty. You know no. what it is?
0: The movie was Tenet and that made me think of David Tenet
1: Right. Which then Uh huh. It doesn't matter why. Jump, shut the fuck up. How <laughs> it happen, Jordan? <laughs> All right. Sorry.
0: One tweet I saw. <laughs> One tweet. <laughs> They just keep coming.